Welcome to the Keeping the Nostalgia Alive show, where we interview athletes, coaches, entertainers, artists, musicians, authors, and many more on both our podcast and YouTube channels. We discuss their upbringing, careers, and what they're doing today. We document the past so the future can remember. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share our programs. Got a guest you'd like to hear? Contact us and try and get them on the program. We have over 200 episodes recorded, so please enjoy. Stories can't be remembered unless they are told. Someone asked me one time how I get my guest ideas. It's easy. Those I've had memories of in my lifetime. In a weird sort of way, it brings closure to certain times in my life. A history major at Indiana State University, I feel it's my way of preserving history for future generations to remember. Welcome to the program. A basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I'll never find out what he could really do. I don't want this to be the high point of his life. I've seen him, the real sad ones. They sit around the rest of their lives talking about the glory days when they were 17 years old. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. The Keeping the Nostalgia Live show is sponsored by The Dunk Collection. The Dunk Collection connects sports-minded individuals to basketball-inspired home products meticulously designed to help combat life's most mundane chores. Dirty clothes on the floor? Put a dirty dunk on the door. The Dirty Dunk is the original over-the-door basketball hoop laundry hamper designed to make laundry a slam dunk. Do you have a messy office? Try a document dunk. The original trash can basketball stand designed for those who compete in the corporate arena. You're just one shot away from turning your cubicle into the corner office you deserve. Bath time blues? Make bath time fun with the Scrub-A-Dunk, the original basketball hoop for baby ballers. Attached to the tub and Scrub-A-Dub-Dub. The Dunk Collection, making boring chores a slam dunk. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Um, today with us is an Indiana high school basketball coaching legend. Um, I, I, he's taken some valuable time from the golf course to uh, spend some time with us and help keep the nostalgia alive. He's a member of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. He's coached two Indiana Mr. Basketballs. I mean, I can, the list goes on and on. And uh, Coach Griffith, George Griffith, joins us today. Coach, thank you so much for spending some time from your, from your busy schedule and take some time to help keep the nostalgia alive and talk about uh, uh, you, basketball, coaching, and just the game in general. Well, thank you, Billy. It's uh, it's uh, it's going to be fun because I've already got my round of golf in. I did some yard work, so man, I'm sitting on the porch. It's about seventy here in Indiana today, so I will enjoy our conversation. So, so which game were you uh, were you in, in introduced to basketball first at a young age, and who introduced you to the game? Well, I I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is. Uh, kind of northern Indiana, and I'm five nine now. Now that I'm seventy five, might be five eight and a half, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but when I was when I was a seventh grade at Smart Junior High, I was five nine, and so I was a pretty big kid, obviously. So I played a lot of basketball around in the sidewalks or on the streets and the playgrounds around Fort Wayne, and so I started out. In junior high as a center, and then I went to Fort Wayne Southside, and I kind of moved to a forward. And by the time I was a sophomore, I became a point guard. So 
that's a unique situation. But just playing in Fort Wayne, had a lot of neighborhood kids and just played a lot. I played basketball and football and baseball and all those things. What was going on in the state of Indiana around the time that you, you were in high school and playing high school basketball? What what was the what was Hoosier hysteria like back then? Well, of course, you know, it was the old good old days, as we say. Uh, it was still at that time a very unique situation here in Indiana where there was no class situation, anything other than football. So uh, it was such a big thing to start tournament time when uh, all the small schools are versus the big schools and so on and so forth. But I had it when I was a sophomore at Fort Wayne South side, I played basketball and that was 1958. And that's the year that, uh, uh, South side won the state. And I was a sophomore then. And I got, knew the kids in the varsity, Mike McCoy and people like that. He was a seven-footer back then, and they just had an outstanding team. So they won the state. And it's interesting because I got to, you know, I got to, I wore the kids' rings that I, that I had played in the varsity. We'd go to a party or something, I'd borrow one of their rings, and the kids, all the girls thought I was playing <laughs> on the team. So anyhow, that's another story. But so... There was 600 in my class. Southside was a big school. Well, when I became the summer, I was going to become a junior. Uh, I thought maybe my basketball days were going to be over itself. I wasn't going to be quite good enough to play. Anyhow, I got running around with a different group of kids and started getting a little trouble. My mom says, enough of that crap. We're moving up home where her mom and dad lived. And I went to Brighton High School, Bill. And my, the graduating class had 16 in my class, from 600 to 16. But to make the long story keep going, I, we won the sectional as a small school as a junior, and I started on that team. I was a big-time star coming from the big city to the little school. So we won the sectional, and it was such a great experience. We were the smallest school. There was about 100 in our high school or less, 90 to 100. We were the small school to win the sectional in the tournament. We got beaten the regional. But anyhow, after that experience, I said, you know, I really like this coaching bit. I'm going to get my act together. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to coach high school basketball in Indiana and hopefully win a state championship. Well, there it goes. So that's how I got started. My dream came true when we finally won one. Now, now back then, even today, some in in some instances, it's almost a, a big thing to win a sectional, like it is winning a state championship. Well, yes, absolutely. And if you can, uh, back then, of course, if a small school could upset the big school, oh boy! But it was a big thing. You know, we played, we were runner up twice to a, a phenomenal coach and phenomenal program, Bill Green at at Marion High School, and. Uh, we got beat twice there in our conference, and, and we got beat twice in, in the state runner-up. They won it three years in a row, and we were lucky or unlucky to be playing them and two of them. And then finally in 1992, we won one. But, you know, there was thirty-five or 36,000 at the RCA Dome and all that type of thing. Now, now Coach, when did, you, when, did you get, uh, when did you start golfing? Oh, golf. I suppose 
uh, my senior year in high school, I worked at a golf course, so I got to play in there, and of course kept playing. And now I play. Well, we used to be a good golfer, but then, when, of course, now we've moved up, as we call them the forward tees. We don't call them the senior tees, the forward <laughs> tees. So that helped my game a lot. Now I can still hit a seven iron when I used to hit one, but I'm 100 yards ahead of you know how that goes. So I love the game. So you went to Ball State University. Uh, was Ball State yeah. your, was Ball State your your only choice, or did you have other choices that you could have gone? But did you pick Ball State well, because of the teaching opportunities? Yes, it was. Of course, you no know, one's a teacher. You're going if you're going to teach and coach. Anybody thinks you better go to Ball State, as you well know. It was no call a teachers' college back then. And then I thought I could maybe I could walk on a Butler all of them. And my my math teacher and my basketball coach come and said, Griff, I checking these scores out. Uh, you're not going to make it a Butler. So go to go to the uh, the public college or the state college in Ball State. So I went to Ball State. Played soccer there, and then played out. Played freshman basketball almost to the last cut, but I knew that wasn't going to happen. But I tell you what, I was so uh, tuned in and so motivated to do what I wanted to do to get a good coaching job and win a state championship. I became a basketball manager for Jim Hinga at Ball State, so I was manager there for three years. So, and that obviously helped me being around the, the players and the coaching staff and what they did, and then it helped me later get to be known so I could get a job somewhere. Now, am, am I mistaken, or is this true that uh, one of the players on your team actually also won a couple of Indiana High School State Championships, Jack Kiefer? Yes, Big Jack. He was uh, – uh, don't remind me, Jack. Jack and I had some good battles, but, yes, <laughs> there's a good there's a good crop that came out of there. There are several uh, Hall of Famers that came out of that. And we all graduated around 63, 64, 65. And there were some really good coaches that come out of that deal. So once you – and what was soccer like back then? You know, it's it's huge in popularity now. I mean, it's it, – it's, it, it, well, it's, I've got a great story to tell you. When I started, I thought – here's my thought. You know, if I go out uh, – you know, I'm not bringing any – I'm not bringing any great things on into the – into the basketball program they're going to say yeah we need griff he'd play at brighton and they he averaged 18 points let's take a look at that that wasn't going to happen so about 100 kids came out for freshman ball well i thought you know i like i'm a pretty good athlete i'll i'll just go out for soccer and soccer's like football it goes you know into november and I'll miss all those cuts, and then they'll let us all come out. They always <laughs> let those fall sports. You know how that goes. Well, I walked out there and got a night and a half, and I was gone, so that plan didn't work. But at the same time, I learned how to play soccer. And we had some foreign kids, and it was a club then. And then the next year, uh, it became a varsity sport. And we had a good team and lettered in soccer, but I'll tell you real quick interesting story is that all right it's non-basketball please please but yeah well we had some foreign kids we had some kids from iran and iraq back then and, and we had a kid named omi vazeri and omi vazeri could do anything that we could do a basketball he could do the soccer ball you know how that goes he was the star and all that well he could kick a ball 60 75 80 yards and so when we practiced soccer, we'd start out with a mile run, sometimes two mile runs. 
and we would run around the football field. There wasn't big stadiums and big athletic practice complexes then, you know. So we'd be running around the football field, and we'd be out there early, and they'd be coming out there and doing their specialties, and they'd be doing their kicks, uh, extra point and field goals. Well, hell, they couldn't kick it. They couldn't kick it 30 yards. So there's Omi, and I'd say, uh, Coach, look here, watch Omi. And Omi would take and whack that football 45 yards, field goal. And they weren't smart enough to figure out, well, why don't we use that foreign kid to kick <laughs> footballs for us? <laughs> so we just, they just weren't ready. All I said, football coaches aren't as smart as basketball coaches anyhow, but. So, Coach, while at, while, at, while at Ball State and being a manager, what um, you know, what stands out? Or I, 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 I'm assuming that you traveled with the team, and you got you know you you got really interested, you got really involved into the college game. What was that like, and and what were some of your memories from that being a manager? Well, we played uh, we played, of course, Butler. You will remember this, Tony Hinkle, right? And Hinkle, Tony Hinkle ran the Butler. Uh, offense, you know, you go around, you pass it, come back to the center, it looks weak side and that type of thing. And so we, everybody was running that because Tony Inkle was running it. So I learned the Butler, uh, what we call the Butler offense. And I, I watched, watched him as much as I could in the game and some of those other good coaches. But I think what I came out of it was the difference between back then and then was, of course, discipline, but hard work. I thought if, if you worked your butt off, if the kids worked their fannies off, that was going to be the difference because I we played some teams that I just didn't think hustled as much as I did, or sometimes we got out hustled at Ball State. And what ingrained in my mind was to obviously play the fundamentals, but really, if you can make a difference, you're going to outwork the other opponents. So what was it like once you graduated from Ball State? Did you kind of have an idea of, of where you wanted to go or where did you apply, and, and how did that work out getting your first coaching job? Well, my two years, uh, my wife was two years behind me. When we got married her, uh, her senior year in college, so I was a year ahead. So I went ahead and got my master's. So we, I stayed there five years and got that all worked. Then I had a decision to make. Do I go to a small school? I knew enough people. I knew enough people at Ball State, the athletic director, of course, Coach Hinga and his staff, would help me get a job. And that was in 65 or 66. It was tough. There was an overabundance of teachers in history, uh, PE, history, PE, social studies, all those things that typical coach did at that time. So I had a choice. Go to a small school. Start as a B-teamer or move real small and start out as a head coach and live and learn and go through it you know, how you want to do it, or go to a big school, even start in the junior high, or I'm sorry, a big system, start as a junior high, and if you, you know, you're assuming you're going to be successful, you keep moving up, and so within maybe six, seven, eight years, you'll have a head position at a good big high school in, in a big city, and you have a chance. There goes your chance for the state championship. So I chose that. I started out as a junior high coach at South Bend. My wife was an elementary teacher, and and and, and seven late. Uh, let's see, sixty-seven, sixty-eight. Uh, one jump from a junior high to John Adams High School, then from John Adams High School freshman coach to B team coach, and then 
an assistant varsity, and then in 1973, I had the head coach at South Bend LaSalle, which was good enough to win a state championship. So that's how that's the direction I went. And 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 what I mean, South Bend itself is so rich in tradition in basketball. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about that area and basketball. Well, there's six or seven high schools, and the biggest high school there was South Bend Central, who had won the state championship. There are two centrals in uh, Indiana, Muncie Central, who had a tremendous uh, uh, record and a tremendous uh, reputation in the state, and South Bend Central. South Bend Central was known because Johnny Wooden was started coaching there. From South Bend Central, he went to Indiana State. And so on and so forth, you know, the career. But uh, so it's a tremendous tough section. You can obviously and you get to the sectional. Then if you get a good draw in a regional, then somewhere you meet the Gary schools, of course. But uh, it was it was a big time basketball, and I got my job, what I wanted. And, uh, and so LaSalle was as good as anybody else in South Bend. So we had a chance. How patient did you have to be during those years while you were assistant? Oh, well, I worked for a man named Dave Hathaway and, uh, at Adams, and we were became best of friends and was on the same philosophy. So I got a good break right after I was an eighth-grade coach. Then I got another good break when I was, went from freshman to B team, and then I was with Dave as B team and assistant varsity for, I think, six years. But we worked so well together that it was not a problem. I knew that he was going to be successful enough and he was going to be able to carry me and I could help him that I would get a, I would get a nice job. So it really wasn't, uh, it was just finally, uh, it all came through just the way I hoped it would happen. Do you think to this day that you guys still should have been able to beat new Albany for that state championship? Oh God. Only <laughs> listen, we, we, you know, we, <clears throat> we played Anderson. They were number one in the state, and we had lost six or seven games. We had, our best player was a kid named James Webb, Jim Webb, but went on to Cincinnati. But uh, we we came through, and, we, you know, there they are. They're, they're number one in the state, and they had Taylor. And they had, and as they were warming up, I was watching. We, we, that, we Usually we played at uh, the state championship was played in, in Indianapolis. And that time something was happening where we ended up playing down Assembly Hall at IU. So I'm watching them, and I said, Dave, you know, they really look nervous. I said, they, they don't look like they're having any fun. They're, they're, they're uptight. I said, I think we did them. Of course, we played really well, and we got it. Then, them and Bloomington, they know how to handle crowds, but they didn't do it that day. We had to set, we were the second game. And we sat in the in that uh, parking lot for an hour and twenty minutes before they could get us out of there. That cops coming in, but it really hurt us. And we played well. And somewhere in that third quarter, we ran out of gas for about five minutes, and uh, it was enough to, for them to get ahead. And we we couldn't catch them. And we were so disappointed that because we, we thought if we can beat Anderson, we can beat New Albany, but we didn't. And then after after that, that's when you moved to LaSalle as head coach, correct? Yeah, I went to LaSalle, and, and uh, it took me three years to develop that program where we could win the Dagon sectional and beat Hathaway at Adams. 
But once we did that, then we we took over. We were the team in in South Bend to beat. I wanted to throw in about golf too. At uh, in in '73, when I got to LaSalle job, I was golf coach, and we won the state championship. Adams did in golf, and if you know anything about golf coaches, <laughs> back then I was playing somewhere on the course while they were all playing, and we won the state championship. <laughs> great, great, great golfers. Great golfers. I uh, had Eric Persigian's son, and he shot. They're all shooting scratch golfers, and so I take a lot of credit for that championship. After we had a banquet, Eric said, "I want to tell you something. You know, you really did a great coaching job." I said, "Coach, I know you can't be serious about." It. He, said, I, he said, "No, I just want to see if you're going to take credit for all that skill." I said, "No, I'm not going to." <laughs> is that did you did you continue to coach golf through your career or did you focus on no, that no. okay once i got out of there I, and um, the, the reason i got to golf is because if it was cold i could sit in the uh, in the uh, in the clubhouse because let the kids go out and play i used to it was assistant baseball coach and you froze your butt out there all the time in the spring you know how spring is in indiana it's terrible so anyhow that's my golf story when um when dave magley showed up at LaSalle, did you know right off the bat that you had something special oh yeah oh yeah 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 he had uh, uh i watched him since he was i think he when i got to LaSalle job he was about a sixth grader or seventh grader anyhow i pegged him right away he was tall he was six two or three in junior high and he had all the skills and he loved basketball and his brother played at LaSalle. And, and the first thing I did when I got the job, not the first thing, but within the first week, I think he was my, maybe going to be a freshman or an eighth grader. I went right to his house and said, you've got to come to LaSalle because they were Catholic and the rival school in our area was uh, South Bend St. Joe, a Catholic school. And LaSalle was uh, predominantly black, and St. Joe was predominantly white, and Dave's a white kid, and so on and so forth. And I let them know right away that I wanted him badly. And the final thing, when he was a freshman in our program, he could make a choice of going to uh, St. Joe here. And I went into his I went into his house, and I talked to his mom and dad, and then, and Pat, his brother, and Billy, and I said, I, I, I'm just going to tell you this. If your goal is to be an all-star or Mr. Basketball, and to do that, you've got to do far in the state or even win the state. You're never going to do it at St. Joe, but you'll do it for me. Well, that was just enough to say. And the board he came. Now, back then, did, did it really throw a wrench in the works that – you know, the kids were at a junior high and going into a freshman year. You know, later in your career, the, the basketball players were there freshman through senior. But, uh, you know, you didn't really get the players until their sophomore year. Is that correct? No, it's just, it's, a, it's a real tough situation. And, this, and the school systems were changing where you just couldn't name. When I went, I was able to, to change assistants around into the high school, but you couldn't do that in the junior highs or as they went seven, eight, nine, and that, and you couldn't do that. So you had to really, really be careful. One is be a, get a good rapport with those coaches so they'll do what you want them to do and what to do to help the players get ready for you. But, oh, that's a tough thing. He would have started for me in the middle of his freshman year if I'd have had him. But uh, 
uh, it worked out all right, though. Do you do you feel like that there was so much talent up there that you guys beat up on each other? That there would probably have been more state championships and and more uh, and more state championships if you guys were a little bit more spread out there. It was just so just so concentrated, full of uh, talent. Oh, if of course the, the basically drove me out of town. If we get into the if we get into the move, we, we had won five sectionals at LaSalle and was was the that didn't mean we weren't going to get beat. But we were the best basketball program at that time going. And my last year I was at LaSalle was 1982. And we'd been to semi-state, uh, I don't know, two years previous to that, the first two years of MAG was two years of MAG. But we had to play South Bend, Washington three times that year. And we were a real good team. And we beat them in the section on two overtimes. And, uh, and we were, you know, you when you get to like that, you got to be lucky too. So anyhow, we played in '82. Then we played. We had to go play at Michigan City School, two Michigan City schools, tough team, or not two Michigan City schools, but probably one from Gary and so on and so forth. Michigan City, and I'm telling you, we had to play great ball games, like six or seven great ball games, to even get to the semi-state. And we go to the semi-state, and who's waiting for the semi-state is Marion and Plymouth. And we had beaten Plymouth. That's another story. I'll tell that if we have time. But So anyhow, we got beat by Plymouth. We had an 11-point lead going in the fourth quarter, and then it couldn't have been the players. Or, I mean, it couldn't have been the coach. It had to be the players. But we screwed it up. and We, we lost, but that was Scott Skiles. And, of course, he took him, and they won this. State, and he's off to Michigan State and the pros and everything else. But when I got done with that thing, uh, uh, Richmond wasn't quite in the picture yet. And I'm saying, I don't know if you can, you have to win so many games and you have to win four good games or three in your sectional to get out of this place. And, and bingo, bango. And by the time you get done and you've got seven ball games and you won by one point or two or overtimes, I'm not sure you, you're playing good enough. You're tired to get to the to get to the state finals. That was my thought process. So, yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. South Bend Riley this year, number four team in the state, beat the number one team, Fort Wayne Northside, week before the regional, or week before the sectional, next game in the sectional, they have to play South Bend Adams, they get beat by one point, and their season's over. So there you go. Now, you you, you were the only blemish on that Plymouth. Uh, you, you'd beat Plymouth earlier that year, correct? Great story on that. We were about number oh, two or three in the state, and they came in defeated uh, little Plymouth team, came into the uh, Notre Dame Stadium, and uh, we played our holiday tournament there. Well, they kicked our butt pretty good in there. And they were, of course, they were awfully good team. So they went their way, and we went there. They became number one, and pretty soon they're 20-0, and, and we're, I don't know, 15-5. And playing the last game before the sectional at their place, they're undefeated, number one, and we got them. So here we go. And then so we went our way, and they went their way, and then we're coming to the semi-state. And I said, I hope Marion beats them. I don't want to play them again. <laughs> well, we played them and had a good run at them, but uh, as you know, Ice Giles was not going to be denied, and we tried to rip that. We kept throwing. So it was a good deal. So. Jack didn't get undefeated. Jack Edison, the coach, we won the state championship. We beat the undefeated team, but we didn't go. 
we didn't get where they went. So, so when does the Rose City, when does Richmond come calling, and what kind of process was that, and was that a hard decision you know, to make? You know all about this Indiana stuff, don't you? <laughs> uh, well, the thing about Richmond, <laughs> the thing about Richmond was that the, uh, they were building a stadium, and you know Indiana's got four of the ten biggest high school stadiums in the country, or five, or whatever it is. And uh, three of them in our conference was that Rich, Rich was going to build one eighty one hundred. It had its own sectional and its own regional, complete opposite of what South what was South, what we had in South Bend. We should there were county schools. That's why we, you know we beat up on them. Then we played regional two games at our place, and then we're in a semi state. <clears throat> so <clears throat> that's why I was interested. Uh, in the job because uh, we knew we had to go to Newcastle two years before when I got there for the sectional, which we lost both times to Sam Alford and Steve Alford. And uh, and then uh, we would have our own. So that's, that was the biggest problem. Of course, it worked out just right. I mean, we got to the semi-state. I don't know, we won 10, 10 sectionals and eight regionals or something like that. It was on our floor. And the year that, that we won this day, we played three at home. Then for the sectional, that's five for the region, five at home, you know, before we even had to leave. So it was a good, good thing. That's the reason I did it. I was lucky to get the job, and then we ended up doing well with it. Coach, in, in both up in South Bend and at Richmond, what was it? How did you handle input from from uh, uh, administrators and and even parents. How how I mean because both of both of those areas are just so rich in basketball history. How how did you handle that, or how did you how did you either put it behind you, or how did you take their advice and and you know have a smile on your face? How did you do those kind of things? Well, you're always going to have parent problems, no matter what. I mean, you can be you can be five and 15 or 15 and five. They're going to be parental problems. But if you've had some success, you want a section or two or a regional or whatever, that gives you as a coach to the parent, some leverage. And they're, they're going to come in maybe a little more humble and not say, uh, this is what I want. And this is what I want. But we really worked on, we really worked on team and family. The same words you hear everywhere where success is. You try to talk about, team and if the team is more important you you'll be able to handle the problems at home or family uh one of my blessings was that we worked with a lot of black kids in our program and uh, it would be a negative there are a lot of black kids that don't have dads around or or they're living with grandma or living with mom only that type of thing who are looking for somebody and the parents are looking for somebody grandma or somebody that can help you out and so I, that was a lot, saved me a lot of hassle with parents because they knew what we were trying to do and what we did do. Now, were you in on getting, uh, uh, setting up your schedule and, and playing uh, who you guys played? Pretty much so. Uh, I was always blessed with good athletic directors, and they basically said, here's what I want, here's what, and what you want, now let's get it together and do that, of course. So we we ventured out and made uh, the year that we won the state. We played uh, Chicago King, uh, 
our second game of the year up in uh, somewhere, not in Chicago, but before we got to Chicago. And they had the two seven-footers. Griffin was one. I don't know the other one. And uh, some, nobody else would play them. They kept, and they called us first to get to the tournament. And I said, well, wait a minute. Let me think about that. I'm not sure I want to do that. Cause we're tr- and nobody would play them. I finally said, well, we can't. We only can do is get beat. We play hard and do well to help us. So we played them. So we did things like that. They let us do it. You know, the neat thing about this is that, you know, most of the people I chat with, there's, it's kind of six degrees of separation. And, and I went to Broderpool High School, and we got to play you guys four times. And there's two less vi- – you have two victories in your uh, one win-loss <laughs> column, and you have two losses in your win-loss column because of Broderpool. So that was uh, – you know, we went there our freshman year. It was, it was, it was cold, and it was at the, at the old place, Civic, Civic Hall or the Civic Center. What, what yeah, they call it? Civic Hall. And I just yeah. – I remember that like it was yesterday. You know, Bill Smith had won a, a state championship in 1980, and and uh, uh, Gene Ring was the athletic director, and that was my first introduction. I think we were four and zero when we came to Richmond, and and you were really that. That was really the first big time program that we played, and it was just you know it's just something that I can I could tell you I could tell you the smell of the place. I remember the locker room. I remember meeting you. Of course, you've met you've met thousands upon thousands of other people since then. But you know that was just a it it, it was it was it was a fun. And it was always it, it, he always prepared a little bit more to play you guys uh, when we played Richmond. Well, you know, when you beat Broad Ripple, you got to be pretty happy because if you're playing them four times, you're really happy with two wins. Just just put it that way. <laughs> coach Smith was quite a character. Yeah. When he got the All Star uh, when he was the All Star coach. Uh, well, probably was eighty that he was the All Star coach. Brian Hubbard, who played for me at LaSalle, played for him on the All-Star, on the All-Star team. But I liked him. You better work your butt off or you weren't going to win. Now, now the, the couple of years that you guys went and Marion was in the Final Four with you guys, did what kind of strategy did you go up against Bill Green with? Or did it was it something that you knew it was just going to be very, very hard to do? Well, they were so good. Edwards and Jones and McKee. I mean, you just, they had a guard when we played them. And uh, and then he got, you know, I never beat Bill He at Marion when he was at Marion. I didn't beat He beat me at my place and I beat him at his place. Uh, we had him a couple of times and uh we just couldn't. We just couldn't hold on. Or Edwards would hit a three footer, or a three, a, a thirty footer, or something like that. I'll tell you a quick story. My first year, at, we went to Marion, and they had Blackman, James Blackman. Well, obviously, he went on to Kentucky and was running up to Mr. Basketball, Steve Alford. But I said, well, you know, that's, we've we've guarded Skiles, and we can do this thing. We're going to zone. We're going to double team him, and we're going to do this and that. Well, we the first time he got the ball, we double teamed him. And all of a sudden, he went behind his back, split the double team, went into Duncan on us. And I said, holy crap, welcome to the NCC. <laughs> but so I couldn't beat Bill. Well, then Bill, when he, when he finally won the third time, he went to Indianapolis University as the, there. So he left. Well, then uh, Dan Gunn got him. So I, could, I beat them. I beat Marion for the first time about three times when Bill had left. Well, then Bill didn't like it at Indianapolis University. He had to work too hard in recruiting. <laughs> And he didn't have Edwards and Jones and McKee. They're all going to IU. So, 
so he came back and I beat his butt twice. And I said, Bill, I just love you because now I can beat you. He said, yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, well, it was, he, it was just good. You knew he was going to do a matchup, so you had to get some kind of movement. And, and we thought the weak spot was maybe at the baseline. And uh, we tried a lot of, we tried a baseline course. I have Woody Austin. He was, you know, a big timer, Mr. Basketball and so on. So we worked in baseline. So you knew you could get some shots, but it's just so good. And his, his last year in, in, in 80, uh, 87, we were there 85 and 87 and we won at 92. He said he had a guard about five, nine, uh, Walker was his name. Can't remember his first name, but he was their point guard and he was, he just did what Billy Wright did for me. He passed the ball, got it where it's supposed to be. Once in a while, he'd take a shot and play great defense and so on and so forth. So here we are in front of, at that time, it was Market Square. So there was only about 20,000 there. So so there we are in the final game, and, and there's 20,000 people. And the first time uh, Walker gets the ball, at the point where we just slag off of it, we're going. You, Walker's going to beat us, so he hit the jump shot and made it. And I'm standing up, and Bill Green stands up and looks down at me and just points his face like, "I know you were going to take it off, Walker, and you can't do that because he's going to hit that shot." So that was real interesting. But they were so good, and of course, well coached. And when they were when they wanted to play, they. They could play really hard. But he got the best draw both times. He was playing morning. He played Southridge. And I don't know, Damon Bailey, when he was a freshman or something like that, he could go home, sleep, do whatever he wanted to do. And here I'm playing East Chicago, Roosevelt, and Gary Roosevelt. Jeez, so. <laughs> coach, what was it like? What what was it like to coach the Austins? Well, uh Woody was such a great shooter, and he averaged 33 a game in senior year, and, and we controlled that because we thought if he could be the state's leading scorer, he could be Mr. Basketball. If we wanted to, he probably could have got 40 a game because he was a great high school player, and he did uh, he did he worked hard for us, and he wanted the same goals we were, and he did everything. He was fun to coach. Some nights you can imagine he wouldn't miss in practice, and. Uh, so he he was a dominant thing. We we really worked a bill around. Of course, he'd be scoring thirty three a game, obviously. And then Chad was different. Chad was a more uh, he wasn't dominant. He just worked hard, get the shot, play hard, and do the things he had to do. Of course, Woody, we got beat by Ben Davis that year. Woody senior year, we were number one all the way till four games. We were sixteen and seventeen and old, and we got beat and. Uh, uh, that hurt us, but when we, we played Ben Davis in the semi-state, was going to ready to play Muncie Central if they for the, to go to the state, and Ben Davis had a good team, and Woody went five for 30. And, you know, he just we couldn't win. So whenever you have a great shooter, you have that problem, you know, that night that he's not going to make them for you, and that's what happened. But uh, awfully good, and then Chad was – Chad was just a solid, solid player. He could shoot, couldn't shoot as well as Woody, I don't think. But he, uh, he, he had a better career at Purdue than Woody did. At the beginning of '91 and the '92 season, did you did you have a really good feeling about your squad for that that state championship run and year? Oh yeah, yeah. 
we had we had the first day I came to Richmond was my first interview for the board and the paper and all that. Is I came here to win a state championship and get me done. A, a coach named Dick Bumgarner was was the coach, not right before me, but he was a legendary coach. He's in the Hall of Fame, and he he just was successful, successful, but he just didn't have any luck when he got to the semi-state. Got beat, last shot, that type of thing. But I said, We're, we came here to win the state. Well, obviously, nobody believed us. But I start preaching every camp and every player, and this group, the, the Chad Austin as a junior, Billy Wright as a senior, that group, ever since they came at that time, then they were freshmen. We got the freshman program into the high school. And that's all we talk about, not the conference, not anything but a state championship and what we had to do to win. So, uh, and that's why we played uh, uh, played the uh, school in, uh, out of, uh, in the, would start with, I forgot the name already. But crying out loud, I mean, that's what we did. Well, we lost five games that year before going into the tournament, and we still, it was not a problem. We knew what we had to do, and we knew what we were going to do, and so on and so forth. So it would have been a disappointment if we didn't get there, a major disappointment. And as juniors, we thought we had a chance to get there again, and Mount Vernon, a small school, had a a seven-footer and a six-eight kid. They threw over our press. We had the ball with five seconds to go, down one, underneath our basket, and we didn't even get a damn shot. So there you go. So that was in our crawl. And uh, so now all the kids said when they interviewed, this is what we were planning on doing. This is what Griff has told us for four or five years. So it was a planned deal. We just had to be lucky enough to get it done. And do you remember your thought process or what you were thinking when that buzzer finally went off and you'd won that state championship? You know, you... you if you've been there three times and you want to do it your whole life, well, actually four because when we were at Adams, but you think what you're going to say and what you're going to do and make sure you do this and make sure you do that. And just we did, and got, after we got in the overtime and we were up four, we knew we, you know, the last 30 seconds, we knew we were going to get it one. So you start putting that thought process through and you say, you know, how lucky you are you did what you've always wanted to do, and how does that happen? How is this happening right now? So, it was enjoyable. What 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 do you how do you feel about class basketball today compared to you know what the game was and and what it's like today? Well, you you either forward against and there's two sides to it. I was president after I retired from basketball. I became president of the. Indiana Basketball Association and Coaches Association. And then I became executive director. So when all that went through, when I was executive director, we were having meetings and so on and so forth. And it's it's just real simple that, yes, it's fair. More coaches are going to win a state championship. More, coach, more schools are going to win a section. More schools are going to get used to having that, you know, as they say, having that experience of winning and so on and so forth. And that's and it's perfect. It's worked out just the way the way they wanted to do it. But it, it did it did affect basketball in Indiana because we never had the class system. A lot of people quit going. There wasn't the interest that's in it. And uh, so it's just one of the side. It's good for what it is. The big schools still have a chance to win a state and do the things that that, that it's. But it's just different. 
different. It's not the same thing as it was before. Coach, could you have? Uh, did you ever have people from the college ranks trying to pull you away and have you coach college basketball during your uh, uh, coaching no, stint? No, I, uh, I did not have that. But I didn't push it. I didn't. Uh, I didn't really go after it. I was trying to win a state championship. It's another quick story. When I when I uh, in '82, I applied. I, I interviewed for a, a, a Carmel High School. Richmond, and as an Ball State assistant. Yoder was the head coach at Ball State back, and he he had been at Plymouth, so we'd had a we'd had a, uh, a connection. And he and uh, so I talked. He said, if you're interested, I'm interested. You come up. So when we got up there, it didn't end up with me, but there were two of us that could have had it probably. And when we when I got done talking to Yotes, he I was going to make as assistant at Ball State, I was going to make thirty one thousand dollars. My wife was not going to have an he couldn't guarantee her a job in the area or Muncie, which would have helped us. And to be lucky, no car, nothing, and be lucky if we pulled out a couple thousand. Uh, he said I can guarantee five hundred, maybe two at camp. So. So then I get so there I am I go interview at Ball State or, or Richmond and it's it's twice that at that time, and so I said Yotes, I don't know if you were going to pick me or not, but I'd love to come. But I just can't. I got three kids, three daughters, we're moving. I cannot take it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not willing to pay that price. I want to win a state championship. Well, whether I got it, I don't know. But it goes on. Yotes is at Ball State for three years has a good career. He goes to Wisconsin. He signs a, he signs a uh, contract for three years or four years for a million, a million and a half. I mean, he was going to make about 500000 a year. He's the first one, Bill, that got that big contract. And then, then, of course, it went just everywhere, you know. Of course, he, he ended up getting fired. At, but, and then the assistant there got the Ball State job. And there we go. See, well, I didn't go that way. So that's what happened. But that was an interesting story. Now, were, were you and your wife uh, high school sweethearts? We were. Yeah. We went to, when I moved up from uh, Brighton, I went from Fort Wayne to Brighton and wore my boots and all the things that they thought, what kind of person came in here? <laughs> and uh, her mother was not very happy that she was going out with that crazy guy from Fort Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1997, you get you get a phone call or someone lets you know that you're going to be inducted into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. How how does that feel? And also include with that, how proud are you to have two Indiana Mr. Basketballs, you know, that you coached in your career? Well, the culmination of, I guess, uh, the culmination of the state championship and then the Hall of Fame uh, it's just, you know, what do you say? You, you, you never thought about the Hall of Fame, thought about state championship. And then all of a sudden you're Hall of Fame and you're in with all these great coaches. You think, gee whiz, uh, I can't, one, can't believe I'm there. Two, is it had to be pretty successful to be in there. So that was, that was part of the, that was part of the dream, I guess, the end of it, the culmination of it. And then, of course, 
not many coaches. We had eight all-stars, Indian all-stars. So, one, it means that we had success, but <laughs> I learned quickly there's a there's a direct correlation between good players and coaches' success. But anyhow, uh, the, the the first one with Dave was, was, was the most exciting because it was pulled right out of the thing. There were, there were great basketball players all over the state. And then his story with his shoulder and the success. We had to get out of the sectional and out of the regional to get for him to get there. So, and he had to play really well. So that was that was the most exciting because it just wasn't expected. Well, Woody, we went after that one. We, I said, well, you're going to be the state's leading scorer because I know you can, and we're going to be down there and we're going to be ranked number one because what you did as a junior. And all that publicity is going to get. And so I think we can just ride that out. So obviously, uh, very excited about it. But we kind of knew that we were trying to work hard for that. Do you think there and are... He, and, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I was going to say, and he beat out Sean Kemp, who was at Concord and became all pro, 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 and all that type of thing. But we had we had a little publicity going because we were number one. Do you think there's the same amount of politics when it comes to the Indiana All-Star team and Mr. Basketball? And would you compare those same politics to those who get into the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. It's just the, the, the geography, Bill, is the thing. If you're in, if you're in central Indiana and you're, you're near Indianapolis, all the publicity that is going to go that is going to come from there. If you're in South Bend, you've got to have you've got to be scoring a lot of points, and you've got to be in the Hall of Fame game early, or you've got to get out of your sectional and probably out of your regional to even have a chance. So yeah, there's a lot of that. The All Star game when when uh, when I coached the All Star game, uh, uh, Bill Bates just he he selected it on his own. Wow. And you know what he did? You know what he did? That's the year that, uh, uh, quick story, I, I, I said to Greeny, Bill Green, I said, Bill, he's, he, we knew he was going to be the all-star coach, whether he won the state or not that year, because that's the way Bates did. But uh, he said, uh, I said, I want, I want to be your assistant at the all-star. He said, no, you don't. You know what I'm I said, oh, yes, I do. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> I'm going to figure out how to kick your butt, or I'm going to figure out how uh, something I can do. And he says, well, all right. Okay, I'll be glad to have it. It'll be a lot of fun. Well, then he got the Indianapolis job. He won the state, got the Indianapolis job, so he couldn't coach the high school kids. So there I am, going to be assistant. And uh, Green says, oh, well, of course Griff can handle it. Make him the coach. So I did. So that's how I got that thing. But, geez, that was so political. You know, just political as heck. So yes, it is. The Hall of Fame is is the same way. If you're if you're in southern or middle Indiana, you're going to have a better advantage, a better chance than somebody up in South Bend, or for sure Gary. Gary's, you know, is a lone country up there. Right. And uh, but now that's changed. Now they've got base out there, and they've really worked on going after and getting information on people you know what i mean they know they're going to try to get somebody and they really became uh more uh, aware of you've got to go you got to do it better than the way it was done anyhow i'm going to finish the story so so billy goes i'm the coach and you know 
what Bates does. Bates says Marion had such a outstanding run. We're putting their five starters on that team. <laughs> so I got Jones and Edwards and the other three. <laughs> Plus, I had 14 kids on the all-star team. And, well, what am I going to do? Say, I don't want, I don't want the all-star team. I don't want to have a chance to coach Fox and Jones and Edwards. By the way, he's, Fox is the best, best player I've ever coached. And only had him for two weeks, but from, you know, he was from Warsaw, couldn't play his senior year, but we put him on the all-star team and off he goes to North Carolina and then so on and so forth. But he was the best and he was a great kid and a great player. So I had Fox, I had Jones and Edwards McKee. I had such a good team. We won both times. We beat, we won down at Kentucky and won up home. But I did. I got those darn five players bases. Now, Griff, <laughs> wouldn't it be neat if you could get all five of them in there together? I said, Batesy, what are you doing? And I got them in. And, then, and we won both games, and they were together both times. Maybe only four minutes. Well, they're all together. But they were there because they were close games. And afterwards, I got letters from people of Marion and Tell me, take those cowboy boots and stick them up your butt. Why aren't you playing those married kids more? <laughs> no I said, it's a perfect example. Oh, well, you just never could win. Coach, how, how hard was it to make the, the decision to, uh, to exit coaching, and, 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 and what do you do now that you don't coach? Well, no, I, you know, I was I – was, I guess 51, 52 when I won it. So I didn't realize how old I was in that thing. But And I'd been there three times. I knew I was going to win a distance. We had a good chance the next year. But I knew that the material was not going to be the same at Richmond. When, when Austin, we won it when Austin was a junior. But when he was a senior, we had a good chance to win it. We beat Jeffersonville in the Hall of Fame game. And Jeffersonville won the state that year. So we were really good. And I thought, we got a chance to win it again. But I knew it was not good. It was difficult, but I knew it was time. And I, I, I had done my thing. I'd done my dream, uh, accomplished my dream. And so it was hard to step down because of the players, uh, camaraderie and coaching them and nobody calling you coach anymore and all that, but it was okay. It was all right. And then I got busy. Uh, I worked with a coach named Chip Mahaffey out of Winchester who became a pretty really good coach in Indiana and we we worked with the press he won the press and so on and so forth so I was involved in that I was president of the basketball association director so then I retired early I retired when I was 55 so heck I've been retired I'm 76 now so figure that I've been I've been retired almost longer than I, I was a head coach for 20 years I've coached I've been retired longer than I was a head coach but we moved up to a lake and a uh, small lake where we're, where we were from. And I'm sitting here on the porch looking out at the lake. Played golf this morning, so there you are. My daughter's got nine grandkids, so uh, it's it's been good. Coach, do you still have a rapport with your former players? Do you talk to them occasionally? You guys get together? David, Dave and I are the closest. David, Mag, and I are the closest, but he's so. He's running around the damn country so long. Now he's not even in the country. He's in Canada. So, so 
How do you keep track of him? <laughs> but we talk, we see each other a couple of times a year. When he gets into South Bend, he's close to here. We, of course, we, uh, I love him. And he's been my closest, but I have um, close to Billy Wright, the point guard, who is now the head coach at Western Illinois. But uh, not any real, uh, I mean, it's been so long, 25 years since we won the state championship. We've had uh, three three of our players in that team uh, pass away, uh, illnesses and other things. It, it's just it's just crazy how all that's happening, but and it's going fast. I mean, I'm 76, and I'm thinking, well, I'm on my way to 77. I'm getting older as I sit here talking to you. <laughs> Coach George Griffith had 367 victories, only 137 losses in your high school career, coaching career, 1992 state champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame member. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule and and keeping the nostalgia alive and sharing your story to uh, everybody. I'm I'm sure everyone is going to enjoy it, and I thank you so much. Well, it's been fun. We went back a lot of times. I forgot a lot of these things. I really appreciate it and had fun. He won the state at Connersville, and that's like, well, that would be like Gary Roosevelt in East Chicago, Washington, that type of thing. It's it's just crazy, or LaSalle and Adams. But it was we were arch rivals, and, and to make it even worse, we took their region away from them when we got our new gym. So instead of having their region, they came to Richmond. Well, we hit awful. I mean, they they would they give me the finger, and we'd go under the tunnel, and they'd spit on me. I mean, we had an awful time. Bates and I are ball state together. We were pretty good friends, but you couldn't stay friends. I hated Basil by the end, and he's a good coach. And he can beat you. So he comes into our into our regional regional final, and we're up one. And there's there's one second on the clock. The kid has got uh, I don't know if he's got two. He's only got oh, what's a one and one or something free throw. So we call timeout. You know that he's going to have to he's going to have to miss the shot. He's down, you know. So I called him. I said, whatever you do now, we worked on check that man out. Well, crying out loud. He missed the check. The ball bounced the right way. The kid hits it with no time on the clock. We win. The, we lose the regional by one. So the Tiernan Center's got a big, on the, on top is where, uh, the, uh, not on top, but in, right above the floor is where the all the radio stations are in each corner. And I'm there, across there, looking at Malby, and he's, you know, he's yelling and bragging about how good a coach he is, <laughs> how he beat me over there. And I, and I want to give him a finger or something. And I look over there, oh, there's a commotion over there. And Basil's down. It's like he's had a heart attack. And so we end the show. And then he got setting up, so I knew it was all right. I said, Malby. <laughs> and he got, he, uh, he hyper, whatever, invented. And he went down. He does that. I said, "Why the hell didn't you do that on the last time out? We might have won the region." <laughs> <to> you. <laughs> so, anyhow. <laughs> so, so, We're, but are you are you guys are you guys do you talk now? Are you good friends we are, now? We are friends now. We okay. are friends now. We can talk. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why didn't you do that? <laughs> that's <laughs> that's great stuff, Coach. That's awesome. All right, I'll talk to you. Thank you, Coach. Have a I, pre- good day. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much.